Hi, I'm Paul Ford, and I'm the co-founder of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. And I'm joined by my co-host and co-founder, Rich Ziotti. Rich, here we are on Track Changes. And you know, one of the things about Track Changes that's so special is that we're authentic, and we market in an authentic way, connecting people to ideas and brands. And we do that without selling ourselves short, selling anyone down the river. No. So it's exactly what we're about. We're about connecting and community. And so one of the things I thought that would be really authentic today is if we brought in two of our most cherished clients and had an open, frank, and transparent conversation about just how great it is to do digital work with Postlight. (laughs) I think think that sums it up beautifully. To clarify, it's not two different clients, two individual clients. It's actually two individuals. From one of our clients, one of our marquee brands that we're working with right now, and really helping drive their digital initiatives. Yeah, and so I mean, look, I'm I'm being a little over the top. We built a really good relationship with these two men, uh, and have had, Wait, look, had Paul, some good times. It's not with the men. We've made, built a relationship with the client. With the client. These happen to be stakeholders at the client. Two key stakeholders. Okay, right. Uh, so you know. Right now in the, the studio. The client is Vice Media. And right now in the studio, we have Dan Fletcher. Hello. Dan, what's your title? I'm General Manager of Vice News. Okay. And Ryan McCarthy. Hello. Ryan, what's your title? Editor of Vice News. And let's talk about Vice News. What the hell is Vice News? What the hell is Vice News? That's a good question. Um, so Vice News is... A media organization that covers news. It's pretty, you know, self-explanatory title. I think one easy way to think about it is a digital website that you guys helped us build, mm-hmm. Vice, Vice News. As opposed um, to the analog websites. Exactly. You know, <laughs> those are so slow, yeah. whereas our, our this one was fast. Only Postlight does the digital website. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, Vice News Tonight, which is our new show on HBO, new as of October 10th. Okay, it's so a nightly news sh- show every night, uh, five times a week, rather, on HBO. And a weekly show called Vice on HBO, which oh. is relaunching in January? February. February. End of February. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, tell everyone what Vice is. That is an even tougher question That's that I'm going to pass one. over to our general manager. <laughs> it was a magazine for a while during the dot-com boom. It was a retail store, briefly. They had retail locations, and they what, tried what to get could you buy? merchandise. I don't know, like clothes? It was okay. like it was clothes and like cool things. I always knew it as like the magazine that was distributed inside um, American Apparel. That was their thing for a long time. But then they were pretty quick on web video. They had this thing, VBS.TV, which existed like almost pre-YouTube, where they started pumping the web full of documentary content, you know, sending people into war zones, into different locations around the world, and sort of doing reporting where other places wouldn't go. Then for a while, YouTube got behind them. It was a big YouTube brand. Um, they made a lot of different documentaries on YouTube. And from there, uh, the HBO show launched five seasons ago, and there's been a sprawling digital empire ever since. Now there's a fashion magazine. There's sports. There's TV channel. Vice TV Land. channel. So um, there's this giant media thing. Correct. It's got lots of brands. It's on the web. It's in print. And this is a big part of it. Yeah. Vice News, by, I mean. I think that's fair to say. Okay. I feel like <laughs> the rest of it more or less orbits around Vice and Vice News as 
the sort of anchor brands of the thing, and then you've got stuff that focuses on music and technology yep. and, and, and so the you, like. You can think of it as there's an internal ad agency or ad agencies that do things for brands. There is the consumer-facing parts of it, which are broadly – not broadly the site, but generally news and then the lifestyle verticals. Things like Vice.com, things like Broadly, things like Noisy, which is music. See, this is good yeah. for listeners to understand. So I, I might come to Vice as a writer and say, I have an article for you. I might come to Vice as like John's giant hamburger conglomerate and say, I need to reach an amazing cohort of oh, young, cool people. I, I actually want to share a little story that I think gives a sense of how Vice has absolutely aced the desire to be associated with a brand. Okay. I was, uh, for a handful of reasons, I was in the sort of, I don't even know what you would call it. It was like a master meeting room. It's almost on this floor that no one's allowed on. <laughs> it's really weird. And it looks different than the rest of the office. But where is this? At some at, company? At Vice headquarters, oh, Vice headquarters in, in okay. Williamsburg. And it's just full of Webbies. It's the room that has just all the, like, Webby <laughs> springs. And it's the bear room. So weird. I think this is the bear It might room. be the bear room. Yeah. It had weird art. And it was just a pretty surreal place. And I had a meeting with some higher-ups. And then the uh, an assistant walks in, and she said, look, we're going to need this room. Um, we've got somebody coming in. and I, they, She mentioned the brand. I'm not going to say the brand here, but it was a deodorant. Okay. And five or six people filed in as I'm putting my stuff away to, to walk out. And my guess is they're about to do a deal with a brand, right? And you're thinking the typical dynamics would be the seller, the person that's looking to close the deal would be, hey, can we get you something? There's like croissants. There's like, you know – where the that the nervousness is on the sell side, right? And oh, the, so I, if I work for Vice and I sell this, uh, yeah, you got you got to you got to get them to fall in love with you know men's, I, men's funk yeah, stick is coming yeah. in, and I'm like, hey, right, exactly, men's funk sticks coming in. Let well, me so get them can, that, the mini bagels and the you know, I know the, your kids' names. I'm going yeah. to small talk. Look at the salmon cream. Yeah, yeah. So how is Naples these days, et cetera, et cetera, like right? grapes. The thing is, the five or six deodorant people, let's call them deodorant people for the, just for the sake Mike's of the story. Mike's funk stick. Is the are nervous. They're nervous. The, the dynamic was flipped on its head. And you're watching this. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, this isn't, like, they're here to see, they, they, they've got the money, it's essentially falling out of their pockets, and they're walking in, and they're going to see what Vice is willing to give them. Oh, interesting, because they're not cool enough. They're not cool enough. So you've and it got is true. You go to the vice offices, unless you're just old and tired of media like <laughs> I am. Yeah. And I could imagine, if I walked in there, if I was like a little younger and not sure of myself, yeah. I would be like, I don't belong here yeah. at all. Yeah. But now owned... I'm just like, I am your babysitter. That's how I feel. It's a they, little weird there. It's, it's kind of weird. incredible. And they've really aced the perception game. You here. know, let these describe the office so people understand the space <laughs> so, in which you spend all of your days. So it, it's crowded, first of all. I mean, Vice is just growing like crazy. Vice News, I think we've hired 130 people this year. Um, so and there's the, thousands of people in the company. Over thousands of people around in the, the company. World, yeah. It is really a, a global media giant at this point. We don't even have visibility into all the things that, that that Vice does, even on a news side. There, there are other news-like functions in some of the lifestyle brands. I think being there, the thing that jumps out is, A, the amount of people. People are largely young, um, which, is, which is a great thing, um, sometimes a challenging thing. But there is just visual talent, creative talent coming out of the woodwork at Vice. There are people who can go film something – for a brand or for a news shoot and make it look cool and interesting and vivid and visceral. And 
that sort of visual language is just sort of a shared trait there. Right. Um, that coming, used to be the monopoly yeah, of, right. of branding agencies exactly. and, and ad agencies. You'd have to fly out to Seattle to the coolest ad agency that only does stuff with Nike. Now Vice does that. And, and I think with Vice News, we want to bring that sort of edginess, that visceralness, that, that sort of tone to what is essentially straight news. Bring that visual style. That's what we try to do on the web. That's what we try to do on, on Vice News tonight. And we're, we're early on in that, but... I mean, I, I think that's yeah. been the response I've even heard with yeah. friends who watch the show on HBO. They, they just think it looks cool. Or, like, nightly news is yeah. maybe a little bit more staid in how it's presented. And, like, the fact that we're flying drones around is, like, crazy. And, like, making a nightly news show out of that. Like, it, it's different. And I think Vice is smart in, in capitalizing but, on that. And I watch it. Every, by the way, I'm a fan. I watch it every day. Definitely. You got the 46-year-old <laughs> Lebanese immigrant immigrant demo. Classic Vice Nailed. demo. That's yeah. what Mike yeah. Funkstick wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I buy the Funkstick. Yeah. Uh, it's all working uh, out. You guys definitely – I mean, look, beyond the, the visuals and the big typography and all that stuff – I, the truth is, you know, the the formula, like, Lester Holt is just, he's shitting the same thing every night in the same, like, it's the same, like, at minute seven of every nightly news, there's a guy standing in a flood zone in Louisiana. It's like every night you yep. got to go to weather. They they cover some stuff in the beginning. It's just this, it's just cookie cutter. And Vice, I have to say, they send, they're sending some people to some pretty rough places, and they're doing deeper stuff than what just happened that day. Yep. They've got a guy living in a camp. Who's putting a report together? It's going to take a couple of weeks. You could tell it's a deeper piece. I do want to dive into how you guys ended up here, which starts with where you guys are from. So, Dan, yes, you're a general manager, <laughs> yes. which doesn't say a whole lot. Doesn't tell the whole story. How, where'd you start professionally? Uh, I, I started my career at Time um, back in 2009. I was an intern. My job at the time was reordering stories on the homepage, which was just incredibly boring. So just, time, when you say time, you mean time... Time.com. Dot com. Yeah. So the mag- Time Magazine's equivalent on the web. Correct. Okay. And I, I was just bored to death. Like, I had to do this internship as my last semester of college, and I was looking for anything I could do to sort of get out of rearranging stories up and down based on an editor's email. And oh, my it, Lord. Oh, so it, you couldn't even arrange them yourselves. No, no, no. I had to wait for instructions and then follow that instructions and then send through a confirmation that the changes had been made. So basically because people couldn't use computers, you were using I think they could have even used the computers. It was just it was This just, was how it worked. Yes, yeah. this okay. was how it works. This was the hierarchy. Okay. Um, but at that time like they weren't on social media at all. They had no Twitter account, they had no Facebook account. Um, so out of boredom one day, I just opened up at time on Twitter and just started tweeting stories and links back to the website. Whoa! So you 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 locked up at time. I Twitter either must be locked, really young at that time. It was super young. I either locked it up or emailed from my time email address to like get access to it. I forget exactly what it was. Wow, that's really cool, actually. Yeah, so it was fun, and I just started tweeting stories out. And Dig was huge at the time, and I created a time.com profile on Dig and started gaming Dig so I could consistently guarantee our stories would hit the front page. So I was when Dig was totally corruptible too. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was peak Dig, and it, that was the thing is like all the Dig power users were on this aim group and I would just like I was on there at time.com and they thought it was cool to talk to someone at time not realizing I was 21. For the young people that's AOL instant messenger. <laughs> oh by the way for the young people it's D-I-G-G yeah. dot com. No 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 that's still at beta work still rolling along. Yeah, We're going to pretend that. No, sh- think of oh, it as fine. a proto. Everything's yeah. fine. So wait a minute so this isn't an, an you weren't 
given an initiative here, like get us on social. This is just you bored. Me bored, yeah. And, but then I started, I, I mean, I was savvy enough to start sending traffic reports along showing how much traffic I generated. Okay, who are you sending those to? Josh Tiringal, who now is the head of Vice News. So this has paid off for me <laughs> in several different instances <laughs> my career. I've worked for him at Bloomberg as well. Okay. And he just sort of let me run with it. And again, it was, you know, as someone who's managed social teams since, like, I didn't know what I was doing. It yeah. was just like, I remember one day, Mike, the day Michael Jackson died. Like, I saw AP reported that Michael Jackson died, and I was like, well, I guess I'll tweet that Michael Jackson's dead. But it was, like, super early, and I didn't, like, we had no reporting, and I didn't, like, confirm anything. So then I, God, this is an awful story. (laughs) Then I was sitting there, like, rooting that he was actually dead, so I didn't get fired, like, on my third day. (laughs) Wow, you really do belong advice. (laughs) Yeah. I, well, I, I was so, you know, there wow. were just no guardrails back then. And, like, Maybe it was you, ju- just you, the beginning of news organizations being on Twitter. So some of these landmines hadn't been stepped on so, yet. So you tweeted it. So I tweeted it. Hoping for the best. Hoping, hoping for the Hoping best. he was dead. Right. Well, then he killed Michael Jackson. That's the part of the story that nobody knows. Found him at the airport and just, all right. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, all of that eventually meant when I went back to school for my last semester, I was sitting there and tweeting as time in class while also, like, ostensibly finishing up journalism school. Oh, so, so you, were, you were living as a brand. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of the first individuals to uh, assume brandom. Okay, and, and corporate, I don't know what you'd call it, brand compliance didn't come down and say, wait, this no, is a billion. No, they didn't know what was going on. Nobody, it's like the early days of the web. People just didn't. They had no idea. Really. It's 2010. Well, but, I mean, it was the early days of social. Early days of social. Right. So it, but the early days of the web was like, hey, we have a site. seems to be working. Young people are involved. That yeah. happened with Twitter, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that was a hilarious bit of it was having to wait for this email to move a story from most popular spot four to most popular spot three. And, meanwhile, I'm just, like, pushing out headlines of things I'm reading on the Twitter feed where 600,000 people are following So it. we've right. set a precedent now for your career, which is that – you're easily bored and a raging bull when you have something you <laughs> want to do. subversive. That is accurate. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's, that's Dan. What, how did you end up at Vice? Uh, after time, I went to Bloomberg. I was there for briefly. I uh, went and ran a news team at Facebook, which went terribly. And then I had a startup. Facebook has a great relationship with journalism in general, though, so that, that's um, surprising. <laughs> yeah, I was – Proud to play my small part in that. And then I had a startup called Beacon, which attempted to do crowdfunding for journalism. Ultimately learned that automating the process of responding to credit card disputes is a much better business than trying to fund journalism. (laughs) Cool. I'm going to go right out the window, and we're on the 10th floor. I've enjoyed this interview. It's the best pivot ever. So they made a a hard pivot, but bleeding heart Dan wasn't quite ready to give up journalism, so I landed at Vice. Thanks to Josh. You could be processing so many credit cards right now. <laughs> I know. They're killing, <laughs> killing it. it. Oh, sure. They, they are absolutely killing it. I just love that you pivoted from supporting the free press to processing credit cards. I mean, that is... That's, yeah. I, I love you know, that. it's always been a little more combined than people think. Like it's, <laughs> if you look at, like, a Condé Nast, the consumer marketing division is a giant it's credit true. card processor. So uh, Yeah, we got to okay. get them on board. So, young, exci- I mean... You know, when he said 2009, I was an intern. I just felt like yeah. my prostate was going to explode. <laughs> oh, it's, it was a rough it's, one. That's, I mean, yeah. but young career, exciting career. I mean, I mean, that's, that's what's crazy about Vice, though. Is I walk around, and I feel old. I'm like the old man with my thermos yeah. full of coffee <laughs> and like my untrendy jacket. <laughs> right. And all these kids are just sitting with their slick hair. I right. like your jacket. Thank right. you. Doing God knows what. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Good. 
Good, Brian. Good dad give yes. and take right there. <laughs> <laughs> nice jacket, bro. Your turn. Um, Don't tell me you started in 2009. No, I'm going to no, tip no. this table over. So I started out at a hometown newspaper in 2000, laying literally laying out pages in Cork Express. I think it was Cork Express 2. Paper. Which, yeah. You're working on paper. Physical paper. I was printing a paper. Yeah. That was desktop publishing software for yes. organizing. Yeah, can, um, can we ask the hometown? It was Darien, Connecticut, a weekly newspaper. Not Darien, a lot of Darien, like D-A-R-Y dash A-N. Darien. Oh, Darien. I wish it was Darien. It's, 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 it's like Greenwich. Okay. Every now and then, I guess, there was a fatality at the amusement park. <laughs> yeah. What's the, the news like in Darien? Oh, it is a uh, lot of planning and zoning commissions I covered. <laughs> you know, I, did, I did cops, a lot of cops. Mm. Um, not an exciting job, but a good one to start out. Um, and the bedrock of our democracy. Yeah. You know, hometown newspapers. Real quick, college yeah. major. Uh, English. Dan. Journalism. Okay. Yeah. All right. Keep going. So sometime after September 11th, I did the freelance thing. I was a PA on movies and commercials. I You had did, to guard John Elway's trailer at one I, point. I did have a job guarding John Elway's trailer for a stomach acid commercial. From what? Queens. What was going to go get John Elway? You know, you just need to have a minder for Dude, John Elway. Dude, it's John Elway, man. Okay, fine. Yeah. Things um, could happen. Do you know who John Elway is? Yes. He's a hockey soccer player no i know who John <laughs> Elway is. okay yeah okay um so i i did a bunch of different things i bartended waited tables made it back into full-time writing by the freelance internship hustle ended up at inc magazine covering startups for about four years until around the financial crisis around the same time actually when the financial crisis happened i was like i need to get out of print i need to get out of covering startups it just didn't feel tonally right when at a time when the economy was melting down and the web was taking off. So I wrote everyone I knew and tried to get into web journalism. And so I ended up at... You wrote handwritten letters. Yes. At this point. On Quark Express. <laughs> on Quark Express. Okay. Um, this is what... Where are we now? 08? This is two, 2000. late 2008, okay. early 2009. Okay. And ended up actually at the Huffington Post as their business editor back at a time when we were like 30 people above a Dean and DeLuca. Wow. 30 young people. Um, and I was I was a little bit older, but was there at a time. And, you know, first of all, it was great to cover startups and then go work at one. You know, I kind of got that bug in me. And then, you know, Huffington Post at that point just kind of took off. Uh, we started doing post-crisis financial coverage, which somehow made Huffington Post readers care about derivatives laws and Wall Street prosecutions. And so was there for a couple of years till when we were acquired by AOL, um, which was – a strange, awesome, frightening trip. Um, you stuck around. Stuck around and then actually moved over to Reuters where came across Paul. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. And then from Reuters, I was at Washington Post. You may not know this. Did you know Rich was working on that project as yeah. well? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. But we never met. We at- probably did. We probably did because okay. I was in that. Remember, they had that room where it was a giant X trading floor. Yeah, and we I remember. Only had Thirty people. I in was it. the only person who worked there for three months. <laughs> for three months, I went into a giant, like, hundred and fifty person room. It was, like room. was so bizarre. Of, yeah, yeah. Um, at Reuters, we were working on a big future of news project. We yeah. did a lot of cool stuff that never saw the light of day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're like a band that never released an album. Your role at Reuters. So I was um, running a small website called Counterparties with Felix Salmon. It was sort of like the drudge for finance, but also helping them do this big digital change thing. And so they wanted me to kind of straddle editorial, but also help out with redesigning the CMS and strategy and all that sort of stuff. And that sort of led into my next two jobs. One at Washington Post where I was kind of early in that Bezos hiring binge where – 
the Washington Post just started to figure out digital news. Um, grew like crazy. I was working on Wonk Blog after Ezra Klein left, hiring a bunch of people on their business section, and doing a bunch of weird ex- digital experiments for them. So moved on to the New York Times, where I was doing similar things, working on the National Desk as an editor, but also had a early on had a job kind of in this internal group that was almost like digital consultants. So I've been in these jobs where I've been tasked with digital change in a broad sense, which can be messy and difficult. And sometimes you're the guy editing stories. Sometimes you're the guy with a PowerPoint deck that's ignored. Um, Other times you're working on weird, quixotic, you know, digital projects. One thing from both of your careers, lots of jobs. Yes. Lots and lots of jobs. There's no nine years at X. No. Yeah, no, not at all. But that's I, – I don't think – I mean – So wait, what the hell do like... you do all day, though? So now – I mean, I, Dan and I joined Vice basically the same week. And we uh, – it's hard to explain what we do. I mean, we do a lot of managing. Um, you so know, th- Are you, like, on Slack all day? What's going on? We are on Slack all day. We are, in some cases, editing stories, managing projects, telling people not to do things – Stopping libel, you know. Are you saying that? Well, this is my rule for editors: is the number one job of an editor is to manage litigation risk. But you are stories coming. Are you saying go report on this? Are people coming and saying? So, so the the cool thing about Vice News is we're really sort of dedicated to making news visual, and we think think the website you guys helped us build really does that. We think the show does that. We think that's the way news is headed anyway. If you look at Snapchat. Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. And so we have about as many video producers on our staff as text writers. And so we're kind of trying to think from the moment a story is assigned, and, and Dan and I are in on, in on this all day, is like, how do you tell the story? Is this 500 words? Is this a bulleted list? Is this something we can do in a Q&A, a video Q&A? Or is this something that we actually need to send somebody to Mosul to cover? What's um, the, so what's the difference between your two jobs then? Because if you're in the room working. I think Ryan makes more editorial decisions, and I generally spend a little bit more time thinking about like web and social strategy. I, I feel like my job in a lot of ways has flipped in that I'm kind of the exasperated voice sometimes that says, how does this make money? Like Particularly as it comes to just like pumping more video in on Facebook. Like I think the reason I've stuck with this and why this job's interesting to me is is still trying to figure out like what the hell is the economic model that supports all of this. And Vice is interesting in that it has HBO as a massive client, it's sort of very important client that lets us t- take risks and try other things that other news organizations can't do. But still, like running a standalone website, what is the point of it? How does it make money? What is the model for that? And you know, I I try and find moments to tinker around with that. And I think one of the reasons Dan and I end up being attached at the hip was we both been through the scale for scale's sake Facebook rat race. Like we don't see a lot of value in that economically or journalistically. So we're trying to build something a little more surprising, a little different, something that keeps you on site rather than takes you off. Something a little weirder, something a little more visual and hopefully something that's more habitual than based on impulses or Screaming headlines. So oh, I think, this is, oh, sorry, go. No, I was going to say, I mean, I think there could be value in Facebook. I just think they got to open yeah. up that gilded pocketbook. And they got that Ricky Van Ween guy, yeah. the college humor guy over there now. And supposedly they're going to start tinkering with original programming. Yeah. Like, I want to get a little slice of that pie. You know what's <laughs> wild here, though, is you got – there's a story you're telling, which is not a normal story anymore, which is maybe we just got to send them to, Mo- to Mosul. Like, it's, <laughs> it's this very old-school editorial opportunity to go just go get that story. Right. And that's legit. Like I look at the product and obviously 
everyone in here is deeply compromised. But in, in general, you know, knowing Tyrion Gal, your, your, your boss, and knowing how things work, this is a real, legitimate, old-school news product. And you're coming from The Times, which is a place with a lot of rigid boundaries. Uh, even though we were teasing it, Time, <laughs> Time and Time Inc. Are, are pretty serious journalistic enterprises. But you're also really focused on the revenue here. It's part of your job and part of what you're thinking about. And you're joined at the hip figuring it out. So that, I mean, I'm, I'm just observing that because that was never supposed to happen. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen almost anywhere else. I think it's, it's great that, that we can have that discussion from the core of the product. Like, we were producing a lot more video initially than, we, than our audience was ready for. So we can change that if Dan and I talk, and we do every day about everything. So, I mean, that's, that's really cool. Those, those silos that exist in other media organizations where social doesn't talk to text and where video doesn't talk to text and all that sort of stuff, we kind of have to think through those in, in a way that, that I hate to use the word synergy, but like uses resources in a, in a more efficient and smart way. What I'm seeing, what I see a lot is that editorial ends up very exposed because they're not in those conversations. And then everything hits this like breaking point. And they come back and they go, look, it's just not driving revenue. We need 4,000 more bulleted lists per minute. And the editor says, I didn't go to Columbia Journalism School for this. And then there's just this endless drama. And instead, it sounds like it's a tighter feedback loop where you still kind of get to express the important thing you want to do. Yeah. Like Vice News is doing the real thing. Whether people like it or not, like they're going to war zones and and all that stuff that we're saying is important journalism. Yeah. I mean, look – I don't think it's – there's no doubt that, that the, you know, the 50-year-old-plus person can watch a couple of minutes of Vice News and say, well, that's ridiculous. This looks ridiculous, right? But the truth is the aims of the organization, I think, come through the aesthetic, uh, which is kind of odd uh, if you think about it. Uh, you know, there are no ads in, uh, when it's on HBO, so that's not in the game. There are ads on the web though, right? There are ads on the web. There should be more. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> Can we go get some? Let's go. There's not a lot of humor. I mean, they have that Sonic... U- uh, who is yep. it? No, the... What's Yesterday on the Internet guy. No, the guy who listens to music at the end of the show. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Black Keys guy. Uh, yeah. I don't know his Patrick name. Patrick Carney. That's funny. But yeah. frankly, there's not a lot of funny bits. There's not a lot of, like, really sappy, feel-good bits about... The human interest story. The human interest. There's not a the lot of that. squirrel on water skis. It's kind of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of serious. There's really... There's the, the, the aim Rich here is, is telling like, you this as a serious fan of CBS yeah. Sunday Morning. I love CBS Sunday Morning. We don't need I to get into too. that here. I mean, that is really visual. It's they take really, you right to the action. They t- and, and, and they take their sweet time because oh, yeah. it takes me 12 minutes to get to the but bathroom the action if I'm is, watching What's CBS the action? The action is like a <laughs> cookie factory, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> well, there's that. They have like the toaster convention also. I'd love, to, I'd love to see them go to Mosul, the CBS Sunday morning version of yeah. Mosul. I think they went and they, just, they haven't <laughs> heard from them in a while. <laughs> there's a team of seven that they're still looking for. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's it, – as. As sort of slick as it's trying to be, it's pretty damn serious. Yeah, I think, I think that's my read. I think interpreting from what my boss has said and what Dan and I have thought and from what other people have talked about, what they want from this project, if you were to build a news product that went across TV and digital and you, w- you want it to be inherently visual, what would that newsroom look like? And the fun thing for Dan and I is we can structurally build – to solve some of the problems we've seen at other places. Yeah. The bad incentives, the stuff that leads to volume or over-reliance on Facebook or formatting for stories that, that really isn't, isn't distinctive at all. 
And so Vice is at this really cool time as a company where where it needs to have impact and sort of distinctiveness. It doesn't need scale necessarily. It doesn't need, you know, to be in a staid news voice. It can do things. It doesn't want to be. It doesn't want to be. No, it's actually practically discouraged. Right. Yeah. If it seems cookie cutter, I think it's going to be frowned upon in that in that culture. Definitely. Definitely. I think the trouble with bringing so many people in an organization like this is they come from other cultures where things are done a, a very certain way. So it's been hard to sort of at times reconstruct that classic. Yeah. Almost like frisky version of what vice is yeah but i think we're, we're getting there but i think it's, it's really interesting to think what would a newsroom look like if you wanted to do these two formats really well right that's the thing what is what's been hard about you've got this big tv property and a big web property often those things don't live in peaceful harmony yeah so how do you get more peaceful harmony on a day-to-day basis i, I think like the the synergy aspect of it and again it's a terrible synergy. consultant's word it's gotta be another word i yeah. don't use it anymore either i've like deprogrammed myself so what's the other word i don't know no one cooperation can yeah Co- teamwork kindness <laughs> yeah kindness um, no, so. i was just kidding <laughs> The cool part of the show is it's modular, right? It's got these segments. It's tied together with these interstitial graphics or motion graphics or bits of humor or bits of illustration. We want to do the same thing with the web and try to build a site that kind of feeds off that stream-like feel. And so if we do this right and we are not there yet, the Internet writers and reporters by, by trade who are hired as correspondents can start off work on the web and end up on the nightly show, and then it'll come back onto the web at some after some interval, sometimes immediately, sometimes after seven days. And both can inform each other. That is a, a really difficult task. It's uh, sort of enforced cooperation in two di- very different modes. We're doing it more than any newsroom I know. We're not doing it perfectly yet. I think it's funny. Every news organization has their version of this perfect model that exists. At time, it was like, what starts as a tweet may eventually end up as the cover story <laughs> of the magazine. You have this whole food chain of like intermediate news products. There's a diagram. We all yeah. started they, as tweets. They've all got that Bloomberg, like what begins on the terminal may end up on Business Week and on Bloomberg TV. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's a well, version of the spiel everywhere. I think what's nice about Vice is like it's small enough and scrappy enough that you actually feel like it's a little bit more in bullshit sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think it's right. I think it's like... Look, this is the model. Can we get actually people to right. to live in that? This is great. Great conversation, but I we have to ask this before we close out. Interesting times, and you're a news organization. What are you guys feeling, and what are you guys feeling you should or could do in these interesting times? It's been an amazingly strange year for oh, media. Oh, you mean post-election crazy cakes. Pre and post, and here we are today. Uh, it's late January. This will air a couple weeks from now, probably. As you guys have talked to us, over 4,000 major news events have occurred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's part of the trouble. Like, we're, uh, I think the combined forces of Vice News through the different formats, there's about 200 people. But even we're not equipped to deal with this, this velocity of news. What I would say is... Even the last couple days have proven to me that there's a lot of value in literally just recounting what, what's happened sure, and giving context. And I know that does not sound like any sort of secret sauce or master media strategy, but I think our audience just wants to hear from us what our reporting says in a direct voice. It doesn't have to be a standard news voice all the time. Yeah, Just in a, in a Vicean voice, and that could be a straight-to-camera thing from a correspondent. It could be, like, a voicey news piece. It could be a weird video illustration motion graphics thing. I think, for us, there's a lot of value in just doing that. 
and it, it's weird in some ways with all this craziness stuff going on just speaking directly to your audience is somehow more valuable well and i think that that's what vice's particular format does it's always been very correspondent driven you use these people who are children of the internet to sort of give you they're your avatar into a into a story so you trust it in a way or you want to hear from them in a way that maybe it just feels more natural than reading like stated news coverage yeah for some reason and I, i think there's there's a lot of great I don't know, PhD dissertations to be written about this. Vice has never lost its trust with its audience. And it's not its not necessarily the same trust that it has with the Times and Washington Post that we aspire to have impact like them. It is more like we trust your voice on things. Vice has been great about being direct and taking people right to the action in a war zone. It's been great about telling stories from the margins of society. It's been great about just doing weird stuff. And for whatever reason, I think we, we've, got a, we've got a good role to play here in just – Maybe we don't speak in the ta- same tone of voice as regular news, but just speaking directly and without with honesty to audiences. Yeah, we're in a, we're in a good place if we're just doing that. No, one of my favorite old Vice pieces years ago, probably almost a decade ago, they sent a a woman strapped with a whole lot of bread out to a place where there are lots of raccoons, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> pic- strong. It's just pictures of her covered with raccoons, and it's the moment of regret on her face where she realizes <laughs> this was a genuinely bad idea, and she's just. Frickin' covered with raccoons. Yeah. yeah. That, that captures the ethos for me. Uh, what, what stories are you really proud of since you launched this thing? For me, the, the gratifying moments have been when it comes together around a longer feature story. Like, and I think we have a couple examples of this. Uh, we have the deep dive on the state of Detroit's public education that ran shortly after Betsy DeVos got the nod for Secretary of Education. Sent a photographer, sent a reporter who spent several months talking to families who were affected by the rise of charter schools in Detroit. Beautiful photographs to go along with it. It looked great on the page. So to me, it sort of encapsulated what I think is kind of the unique value proposition of the site, which is like, look, we're going to hook you with some crazy-ass visual. But when you get in, like, the reporting there and the depth is there, and you'll come away learning something new on a topic. And, you know, I get mad occasionally at, like, the audience for us on social because it is very quick to criticize, and it's very... There's a lot of scorn, but when we give them deeply reported things that look good, like they take a moment and they respond to it. So that's kind of been the standout piece for me on the web since we launched. That's a great. I mean, that's a great example of Vice's agenda and how I think Vice is. I think they hit they hit the magic formula when they figured out that if we stay true to the agenda, we can go bananas all around it. Well, we isn't can, there a mandate can, for global sideways. warming coverage, right? There's a- there is. I mean, climate is one of our pods, our cross-platform pods. I think, you know, I, I don't want to speak to the web because I, I don't want to choose favorites and then have to manage them tomorrow. Sure. Um, but on the on the nightly side, I mean, we've done some really great packages. The, the one that speaks to me is almost like the perfect Vice package was the Seb Walker's report. It was a 12-minute report on Vice News Tonight from the Philippines where he not only confronted people in, in the Philippines military and police about whether or not there are vigilante killings going on in Duterte's sort of regime, he also rode along with assassins right after talking to that police officer. And it was this, like, really well-reported, really direct. That, that was intense. Politely <laughs> confrontational, too. Yeah, um, really unusual. And, and kind of unflinching. And, you know, I think that, to me, was the best piece of any format that I've seen on on that. And... 
It's also just it's a good example of what's cool, which is just that Vice can break the format. Like yeah. the nightly show can be something different every single night. If they want to go thirty minutes on a piece, they can go thirty minutes on yeah. a piece. That's the privilege of being on HBO. If we want to blow up the website and do one thing for a day, that's fine. So, I mean, those types of things are freeing when they're used well in that context. Yeah. On on the Vice News Tonight side, the day after the election, they literally just filmed people from across the country talking and asked them three questions, one of them which was, what just happened? <laughs> what happens next? Yeah. Um, and it, it was great. Just turning the turning the camera away from – the traditional stand-up or the traditional news thing is something we can do really easily. And I think it, it we're probably doing better work if we do just point the camera somewhere else. You guys are doing awesome work. Yeah. And th- there's no doubt, uh, you know, that a key part of their success is Postlight Digital Product Studio here in New York. Well, we, we paid you it. to talk to us today, right? Technically, we, yeah. this, was this was an add-on <laughs> to the package. Yeah, this is uh, in the contract. Uh, I'm a big the fan. I, joking writer. aside, I'm actually a big fan of what you guys put out. And uh, I continue to get surprised every so often. It's very yeah. Cool no, stuff. we'd we'd want to talk to you even if you weren't giving us money for <laughs> yeah. Dollars. Exactly. Um, exactly. Actually, I, you know, we should talk about that for one second. Like, what did we? Yeah. Uh, you came to us and you said we need to stand up Vice News on this here global internet. <laughs> we don't know what it is. Yeah. We know it's like a lot of news. Yeah. And I'm Dan. I'm Ryan. Here's some other folks you're going to talk to. Let's go. So we had a tough ask for you guys. I mean, it was like, make it look like a TV show. Make it move. Make it be a stream. A TV show that doesn't really exist yet. Exactly. And that no one can see. The vision was sort of coming together at the time. And we want to put MP4s on top of everything. We want to have motion. We want to... I don't know. Um, have have no nav. We want to keep people on site. We don't want to rely on Facebook. I, I, mean, I remember it's really tough. And you guys spat out some crazy designs as part <laughs> of this process because like we were just trying to calibrate because we didn't know what it would be. We were all trying to calibrate on like what the thing was. I remember there was a version of the site that was built as if we would only produce vertical video. And right. it was just like, it was like a Tetris board. <laughs> and like we felt so bad because like we went back to the designer and we're like, yeah, man, that's not it. And he was like very proud of it. But it was. It was like crazy and it was innovative. And if yeah. we were only going to do vertical video, it was like a badass site to do it in. <laughs> but Run it was into the burning building. That's that's sort of the policy. Yeah. yeah. I, I've done oh, just a touch of consulting here and there. So I know like what an impossible task it is when people are like, we want this thing, but we don't know what it is. But we're going to tell you when it isn't that thing. And yeah. I, I feel like we gave you guys little bit of that yeah that but was fine that's you just you just that's throw, your, that's throw things at the wall until everyone's <laughs> yeah. crying and and it's worth noting i think the time frame was I think it was really four tough. months that's definitely Three worth months. noting that yeah. i mean, yeah. I mean <laughs> dan and i joined not in, just for us yeah. but because by the way because we watched yeah. the steam coming out of everyone's ears when we went to the office that is true the first oh, couple man, meetings were relatively incredibly tense yeah <laughs> and then after that it was this incredible amazing uptick of stress and pain. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we had turned a corner. Like, we knew we were ready to launch, and it was yeah. like, a couple weeks or three weeks. I mean, we, pre- weeks we received that as we're not the problem anymore. Yeah, we got the we're not the problem anymore yeah. signal well, because it's like all the other shit has to come together. Concurrent to you doing your work here, they were, like, building a studio piece by piece in New Hampshire <laughs> and figuring out how to <laughs> ship it down in a, a series $6 million of trucks studio, yeah. right. while also gutting – the office we were working in while we were working in it in order to become that studio. So it was crazy. It was a crazy period of time. It almost killed us. When we started in May, we launched a website, hired 130 people across different teams, 
launched a, a, a nightly news show in five months and uh, reformed our video team, too. I mean, that, that worst here is probably yeah. a sign that it went well. You yeah. seem healthy. <laughs> no. <laughs> you no, see my biological age. No, it's true. <laughs> I'm 13. <laughs> um, no, I, that's, that's what I remember. I remember there's a tremendous moment in client service where you're no longer – the real problem. You're yeah. not the concern anymore. Yeah, they want and you out of the building, actually. You're you sort of in the way. It. They're just like, thank you for the check-in. <laughs> Seems to right. be good. Right. You, you go for the small talk. Yeah, yeah talk be nice to you to Tuesday. <laughs> it's like, I like to also, on those, sometimes on those emails at the bottom, I will just write, no reply necessary, just because, yeah. you know, I just want yeah, everybody yeah. to feel good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we got through it. And yeah, we're proud of the site. We love we love working with it. Yeah, I mean, so many. Uh, just one more compliment. So many times when you go through this process, process, it's either product or edits concern, or it's videos concern, or it's you know the newsrooms concern, or it's sales is concern. And, and again, this is all wishing for an ideal state. But at, at least for the time when we were building this until now, and, and hopefully going forward. Like, all those things came together in a, in a way that doesn't happen very often in media companies. So I'm thankful for that. Good. Well, we were glad to do it, and we'll do it all again real soon. I'm sure. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Vice News 2. Vice News 2. We're, I know. I'm talking myself into that vertical video right now. <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll bring up those old designs, give you guys something to do instead of just sitting around at Vice News all day. All right. Well, Rich, send us out. I mean, everyone listening to this podcast, they should know we're about to all go drink. That's true. And much this deserved. is a good crew to drink with. This is a good crew to drink. We're gonna with. rope in some post light people. Yeah, and uh, and have a couple cocktails. Hey Thank guys, you guys, are you one of those groups that has nicknames for your employees? Like Eventbrite, all their employees are Brightlings, which I think is just oh, disgusting. No. Posties, but do you have? Posties? Yeah, is it like Posties? No. Is We've it tried the light brights. I think We've it came up for a second and it didn't stick. Posties, yeah, yeah. it's Ooh. not no. Posties doesn't sound it nothing like sticks. Poster boy. Do you have like any punny things like Facebook? One year it was your face versary and you got like a face versary cake. No, I mean, we no. have star of the week. That's true. Oh, I heard that and you get to pick the music. I yeah. just play, just music play a little control for a week. I just said it would yeah. be the Titanic <laughs> soundtrack. I, I had it all locked down. I would make people listen to that for a week if I were the star. That would be extraordinary. That would be, be pretty oh amazing. Oh, my God. It would be everyone who work from that home. That flute version on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, in general, we're, we're joyless and unfunny. So, uh, but that's, it's, it's a dark, cold place. It's for the best. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks. Thanks this for having fun. us. Thanks. Well, Rich, those seem like two fine young men who are really going to go places. Oh, they're just two good gentlemen. You know, the fact that we have a commercial relationship with them in which they write our company checks for large amounts of money really doesn't have any bearing on anything about what we're saying about them. Well, exactly. I would feel the same way. I actually would. Those are those are two very together dudes in yeah, the media business. They're great, is- and their product is great. And I, I watch it. I mean, I'm, you I'm love, a fan. Yeah. Vice I'm News into is it, good. ViceNews.com, even though we built it, we're proud of it. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's good, good stuff. Good site. So there's a little slice of life from the media business in 2017. We should tell people that they've been listening to Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a product design studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. I'm the co-founder. My name is Paul Ford. And I'm Rich Ciotti. And if you want to get in touch with us, just send an email. Hello at postlight.com. Hello at postlight.com. Hello. We love you. At though. postlight.com. We, yeah, we like we like to talk to people. Follow us and at, at Postlight Studio on Twitter and uh, rate us on iTunes. Five stars. Good number of stars. 
We are very fond of our audience. We are very grateful for your time. Thank you. This was kind of a commercial, but also totally sincere, and we hope you enjoyed it. A sincere ad. Exactly. Exactly. That's our our brand. Uh, Everybody, let's get back to work. Take care. Bye.